0: Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. Anybody excited to be in the presence of the Lord? Wow. What a good worship team that we have. What an awesome staff. Uh, it's, it's been so cool to get to know all of you. Uh, My name's Jared. If I haven't met you, I'm so grateful to be here opening up the word together uh, in this season and and asking God to speak to us. You know, his word is alive and his ministry is still active. Uh, One of the things that I was excited about from last week, how many of you were here at our small group uh, night of worship? Anybody come to that on Wednesday night? Yeah, I see several hands. What an awesome time, right? Wasn't that a sweet time? Yep, I heard, I literally, I literally heard one yes. That I I counted and it was not hard to count. I thought it was such a sweet time to be together. And uh, Pastor Greg said it best, I think, towards the end. And and I didn't make it here in time to hear Micah. So it's not totally fair to you, Micah. I'm sure you said some great things too. But uh, what I did hear from from Pastor Greg at the end by the way welcome Oakwood we're so grateful for you even though I forgot but we are so grateful for you Oakwood and Pastor Greg being there thank y'all so much uh, it's gonna be a great day and Pastor Greg said it this way I loved it on Wednesday night he said Riverbend we have so much to be thankful for we have so much to be thankful for he said look around you know and this room wasn't full like it is this morning on Wednesday night. It was more intimate. There, there were less of us, but it was beautiful. And we have so much to be thankful for. Small groups are vitally important to the health of this church. You know that, right? It's vital because that's where the deeper work of discipleship takes place. That's where the life on life, that's where you're really known, That's where you're you're really loved by your brothers and your sisters. That's where accountability happens. That's where we grow in a deeper way. There's only so much we can do in here. And by the way, this is very, very important. This is vitally important too. And small groups are vitally important important. And I I just love it. I was talking to some people and some small group leaders who who said, yeah, I know the semester's over and we're taking some time off. We'll probably take two weeks off and then we're going to start meeting again. Even though the semester's over, we just want to be together and we want to continue growing, learning, loving each other together. If you're not a part of small groups, we'd love for you to be a part. We'd love for you to get connected and get engaged we'd love for you to fill out a card and let us know or maybe you find Micah before the end of today or if you're in Oakwood, you find Pastor Greg and and ask him how you can get involved in small groups. By the way, we need more. We need more small groups to launch next semester and I know that's like top two or three No-nos for the pastor to talk about splitting groups and multiplying groups. And, you know, maybe I'm just kind of alluding to that but not saying it directly. But we need more groups, you know. We need more leaders. And if God is leading you in that way, I would love to encourage you to multiply. Because ultimately, we know that we need more room for people to come into this church family and grow in their discipleship. And at the end of the day, we're all a part of that journey. So thank you for what you're doing. We're so grateful uh, for all of you who are in it. And if you're not, we would love to invite you to be a part of small groups here at River Bend. Anybody ready to jump into Acts chapter 4 today? Acts chapter 4, 20, verse 23 through 31. I'm, I'm excited about this one. We're going to study a prayer uh, of the early church. And we're going to find three things that we can learn about prayer from the way that the early church prayed here in Acts chapter four. Let me give you just a little recap and catch us up because we had Mother's Day last week and we we took a week where we got to hear some real preaching from Pastor Ben Wallace. Anybody grateful for Pastor Ben? Woo, yes. We went out on a limb right there. I don't know where he is, but we got a big applause. A lot more applause for you, Ben, than small groups. I want you to know that. Okay, so we took a break. Uh, for Mother's Day, but now we're back in our series called When the Dust Settles. And just to catch you up, just a little recap. Remember, there was this miraculous scene that happened at the gate in, leading into the temple. There was a man who couldn't walk from birth. 40 years old, was healed and able to walk and jumping, leaping, running through the temple, praising God, and, and it was causing such a fuss. Thousands of people came to hear what in the world happened to this man who we've seen Paralyzed, not able to walk, lame from birth. And Peter and John were there and they used it as an opportunity to preach the gospel, right? To preach about the name of Jesus and, and how at the name of Jesus, this man has been healed. At the name of Jesus. By the way, there's no other name under heaven by which you may be saved. And they said it. Over and over, they're taking these opportunities to preach about Jesus and how the the, the, the rulers and the Gentiles crucified Jesus, that, that, that our sin is what hung him on the cross, but because of his sacrifice and because it was enough, all who trust in his name now may be saved and ultimately spiritually healed as well, which is most important. This man stands before you well, both physically and physically, And spiritually so it's causing a fuss the rulers elders all the high priestly family they're not happy about this so they arrest Peter and John they put them in prison and the next day they they bring them in front of the whole court and they question them and they 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 begin to put them on display and try to corner them and catch them in some wrongdoing there but instead Peter and John were very bold in proclaiming the gospel proclaiming the name of Jesus and so at the end of that scene, we, we find the, the rulers and the elders who were putting Peter and John on trial, telling them that they can't preach anymore, that they can't preach the name of Jesus anymore and threatening them. And we pick it up here at that point in verse 23 of Acts chapter four. When they were released, They went to their friends and reported reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, They lifted up their voices together to God. Okay, so they come to their their friends, they come to the Christians, they come back to the church and they said, we've been warned not to do what Jesus told us to do. And the first thing that they did together in one voice is they lifted up their voices to God and this is what they said. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The king of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. They they quoted this psalm. This is Psalm 2 of David. And this is what they said in verse 27. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They're lifting up their voice together and they're saying what had been prophesied before in Psalm 2, we now are seeing fully fulfilled before our eyes, That, that Jesus is your anointed one and that they have crucified him, put him on display And now they're holding us accountable and trying to charge us for some wrongdoing. Verse 29, and now Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. There's their request. So five verses about Jesus, about God, and about the magnificence of him. Five verses and then they get to their request and their request is would you grant us to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus and when they had prayed and when they had prayed the place where they were standing gathered together was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I want you to imagine this scene just for a moment. We've we've painted the picture and now we're in the scene and and we see, uh, just put yourself in their shoes for a moment. Peter and John come back to report the threats of the most powerful rulers in the land, that, that they might face punishment, that they might even face penalty to death if they continued to do what Jesus instructed and commanded them to do. And the mission that they'd been given was despised by the authority, and because of that, their lives were literally threatened. That They were threatening them. Wouldn't you imagine that there would be some fear in this moment? The church is gathered, and they're hearing this, and it's like... This vision was painted so clearly and the mission has never been clearer and Jesus has gone back to the Father and it's our job to continue preaching the gospel, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded us. He he said he was gonna be with us to do this, to accomplish this and they're ready and they're going and then here we are not long after that and they're already facing potential threats against their life. Wouldn't you imagine there'd be some fear, some angst, some some worry? But they responded in an unbelievable way. I can't get over how they responded. They responded with what I think is the boldest request, to, to, to ask for boldness in the face of persecution and punishment. I think that's the boldest request. That's what they asked for. In other words, help us to keep doing what got us in trouble in the first place. But not only that, help us to be bolder about doing what got us in trouble in the first place. We're not going to stop, so we need boldness. As we study the early church, we see that prayer, praying together, is crucial. It's a a tenant. It's it's a focal point of what they do. It's it's irreplaceable in their lives. And in our text today, we're going to see a prayer that produced immediate results. They asked for it, and he produced it through them immediately. And we're going to look at three things today that we can learn about prayer and how we can apply this to our lives from what we're learning from the early church. First thing that we're going to look at today about prayer is that prayer recognizes authority. Prayer recognizes authority. It it reorients us in our proper position underneath authority. It reminds us of who is in control they started this prayer in verse 24 with sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord, the maker of heaven and earth and everything in it. Sovereign Lord. Th- this word for Lord here literally means ruler who has unquestionable power. So they they walked away from the highest court in the land with the the most amount of power and the most amount of authority. And they come back and the first thing they did was they prayed to God and reminded themselves of how much power he had and how it doesn't compare to the most powerful court and land in the day. Isn't that beautiful? That's what prayer does. It helps us to recognize authority. This is the first thing that we look at about prayer today that we can apply to ourselves how they reminded themselves of God's power and authority. I don't think we give this principle the attention that it deserves. The importance of recognizing who's in control. And they begin to pray. Psalm chapter two, the word of God once again is in their mind and on their lips and they, they just pray the first two verses there but the, the Psalm continues for 10 more verses and I wanna read it to you because it's wild if, if you'll let me do that, it's, it's really awesome. They they prayed these first two verses. Why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The king of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, "Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us." That's what the world is trying to do. That this is happening right before us. They're praying it. But look at verse four. He who sits in the heavens laughs. That's one of those, it's like, did the Bible really say that? That the Lord, that he who sits in heaven, laughs. Like he's looking down at what we are afraid of and it doesn't faze him one bit. In fact, he laughs and he holds them in derision, which means contempt. Like there's never been a moment where he was out of control. In fact, he's sitting, he's he's not caught by surprise. I know I told you to share the gospel boldly. I knew that they were going to do this to you, and I knew that it was going to strengthen you more than you could imagine. He's just up there, kind of laughing at the schemes of the enemy. And then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Nothing is ever going to get in the way of what I've done right here when I set my king in, in Zion on the holy hill. When Christ has been enthroned, there's nothing that can do anything about what I've done. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me you are my son today I have begotten you ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel picking on Haynes today Haynes was telling me about how he was at a bird tournament the other day and some of y'all do you anybody quail hunt nope got it all right Haynes just me and you this isn't gonna connect, but I'm, I'm already halfway through, so I gotta tell it. Haynes said he just exploded that bird, and they couldn't even retrieve the bird because it was like Looney Tunes, just disintegrated out of the sky. I think he was bragging to me about how good of a shot he was, but actually in a contest like that, you want the bird to be together so that the dog can actually retrieve the bird, and so it wasn't actually a great thing. But I think about that when I see our Savior with a rod of iron. Like, nothing can stand in the way of his power and his authority. He has set his mind against evil and one day he is coming back and he will destroy what is in the way of his rule and his reign. Disintegrated, just like the bird in the sky. Am I allowed to talk about shooting birds on Sunday morning? Okay, we're back you shall break them and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel now therefore o kings be wise be warned be, be warned be um, be warned o rulers of the earth serve the lord with fear rejoice with trembling kiss the sun lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled blessed are all who take refuge in him what a beautiful truth James Boyce, a great theologian, said it this way, God does not tremble. He doesn't hide behind a vast celestial rampart counting the enemy and calculating whether or not he has sufficient force to counter this new challenge to his kingdom. He doesn't even rise from where he is sitting. He simply laughs. This is what the Holy Spirit brought to their mind in this moment, the Psalm 2 that had been written years and years before that he brought this to their mind imagine the courage that it did for imagine the courage that it built in their hearts and in their minds as they were reminded of this truth of old but don't miss this in the face don't miss this in the face of great punishment the early church prayed and they prayed the word of god The word of God was quickened to their mind and their heart, and it was on their lips. They prayed it out. They they built up their courage by remembering who God is, what he has said, and what he will do. They looked at their circumstances through the light of God's word. This is a good principle. I don't know if you write things down. Maybe you have a a photographic memory. It's going to be hard to take a photograph of this one because I'm not putting it on the screen. But maybe you have a really good memory. We'll go with that. A good principle to live by is look at your circumstances through the light of God's word. Don't allow your circumstances to shine light on truth. Allow truth to shine light on your circumstances. It's the filter through which we see life. The word describes itself as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It, It is it's shining and it's alive, and it's speaking. There's two things about his word as we think about prayer that I think are important here. The word, number one, will shine on your situation. It will, it will shine on your situation. This is, here, here's why that's important. Because fear and worry and ang- angst, anxiousness, thrives in the shadows. It thrives in the dark places. And, and what our world is conditioning us to do is to spiral out of control in the shadows with, with, our, with our devices, with, with, our, with our social media platforms, with our news outlets. With, with, we're, we're letting this fear and this worry control our thought life. And it used to be hard enough when when we were sitting down and we're tired after a long day and we're scrolling through the TV channels and we're flipping through and, you know, it's just this vortex at the end of the day in in your recliner and you're just news after news after news that's just negative and bad and hard to to hear and, and you feel yourself kind of going down into this pit. But now, to make matters worse, they literally know apparently what you're thinking before you... Think it, because your phone is just telling you what you want to think. Like it's this, the algorithm thing, you know? I was really bad at math, I don't even, I could barely spell algorithm, definitely can't pronounce it, but they tell me that they literally know what you're gonna do before you do it. It's like they're inside your mind. And now your phone is listening to what you're saying, apparently, because you'll get an ad after you say something about a pillow I've been telling my wife that i struggle struggled with my pillows at night. My neck's been hurting me. I think I've already said this. I don't know. And my phone now is giving me ads for pillows constantly. And so how difficult is it to bounce out of this pattern when the literal device that we're tied to every day is bringing to our attention more and more and more of what we need or, or, or may it, it thinks that we want, and, and we're getting lost in the news and, and all of these negative things that are taking over. It, it's not a problem to watch news, it's a problem when you allow the voices of the world to determine the way that you see your circumstances. Allow the word of God to shine on your situation. Allow it to illuminate your mind with the truth of God. Allow it to to illuminate the shadows of your thought life. Don't allow these shadows to, to own your thought life. Meditate on him more than your situation. Sometimes I think that we just spend so much time pondering our situation, we haven't allowed the truth of God's word to shine on it praying the word is an unstoppably positive filter on life's circumstances. The word will shine on your situation. The, the word will also speak to your situation. I think a bad habit is reading the Bible and looking for what you want it to say. Flipping through here and and you've got your, your life and your situation and your struggle and you're looking to this to speak to what You have going on in the way that you want it to speak and and by the way you can twist and form this to shape what you want if you try hard enough but eventually what you're doing is you're taking the truth out of it and you're making it fit you and your life and you've 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 accumulated a new set of principles that weren't actually from this in the first place you see, we have to start here rather than here. We have to start with the word. The word doesn't fit your life. You fit into the word. You don't mold this. You, you mold to this. So we come to the word humbly. We come to the Bible listening for what it's saying. And, and sometimes it brings conviction. And, and, and it leads you to repentance And other times it it brings, it it leads you to remember that you have freedom. It, It speaks deliverance over your life as you submit to it. Sometimes it reminds you to be confident in your victory. The word is alive and it's ultimately true. You can trust it completely. Understanding His authority leads us to humble dependence on him. And that's our second truth about prayer today that we're going to look at. Prayer proves dependence. Prayer proves dependence. Notice how the boldness of Peter and John before the Sanhedrin court, this powerful court, they were bold before them, but it didn't puff them up with independence and pride. They didn't come back to the church and say, "Man, we crushed that." Like we just we took care of business up there. They thought they had us. We just mm. They didn't come back with that. They, they they came back and they started praying. They they turned to the source. They they immediately, they didn't spend time celebrating what they had done. They came back and glorified God and asked him for more of what they needed. An old preacher once said that God doesn't allow the accumulation of capital. He lends that we may spend and come to him again. Just, there, there's something about the economy of God where he, he, we, we, we spend And then we come back to him to be filled again. It's like a fountain that that needs to be connected to its source. We spend, and then we come to him again. This is a picture of dependence. Remember Proverbs 3 5 and 6. What a beautiful part of scripture that reminds us of our need to depend on the Lord. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding. Don't lean, don't depend on your own understanding. Don't don't trust in anything but the Lord. And in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Meditate on these truths. Remember, remind yourself of how You need him, how dependent you are, because you're never stronger than when you are dependent on God's strength. The strongest place that we can be in, the strongest that we can be as Christians is dependent on God and his strength. you remember in in 2 Corinthians 12 when Paul reminds us of how God's power is made perfect in our weakness. His power, but Paul had a thorn in his flesh and he was begging God to take it away and God said, I'm not gonna take it away because my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. He's reminding us today as well that, that it's in our weakness that he's made strong, that we're never stronger than when we're dependent on him. But when we allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by fear because of our weakness, aren't we dismissing God's power in our lives? Aren't we boxing out what he wants to do through us? When we've let ourselves get overwhelmed by fear because of how weak we are, when in reality God has promised that his power is made perfect, in our weakness and Paul reminds us that he said he said I I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness because that's where the power of Christ is going to be made known through my life I don't know about you but that challenges me because I'm not the best at boasting in my weakness When we pray, we are positioning ourselves under this power and this authority and we become the beneficiary, not the hero. I think it would benefit us greatly to grow content as the beneficiary rather than the hero. Number three, I only have three. I promise, three and a half, but three. Prayer improves perspective. This is one of my favorites. You need, because what you focus on expands. This is true. Like, like if, the, if, if you think about it this way, if I have my hand up in front of you and I just stared at it, the longer I stared at my hand, the less I'm able to see you all. Because it's expanding. Does that mean it's literally getting bigger? No, but in my vision, it's all I'm seeing. The more you focus on it, the less you see everything else. That's both terrifying and beautiful. Because it's terrifying if you go the wrong way with it. But it's beautiful if you understand what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 16, verse 8. When he said, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. Always on the Lord. Turn your eyes, you remember that song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look, look full in his wonderful face. And then what happens? The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. This is a powerful aspect of prayer. We need to lift our gaze, our attention, heavenward. And we need to remember verses like Nehemiah 9, verse 6. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven and the heaven of heavens with all their host, and the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. To, to you alone. We need to lift our gaze to, what about Deuteronomy ten fourteen? Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth, with all that is in it. It all belongs to you. Nothing is outside of your control, your power, your authority. When you pray, you improve your perspective. It's like, think about this, in our current reality and how tied we are to our phones and our devices. And Isn't it sad that you could literally be at the edge of the Grand Canyon, one of the wonders of the world, one of the most beautiful sights in all of creation. You could be standing there and you could be, you could be at this point and never see it because all you've done is look down at your phone right in front of the most beautiful, picturesque thing that the world, that that maybe the United States has ever produced. And you're just looking at your phone It's quite possible to to miss the beauty because you're focused here. It's quite possible to, to miss out on one of the most beautiful things that you could because you're so focused on something that's right in front of you. I think that's what we do when we allow our circumstances to confuse and consume our focus. We fail to remember the ultimate unquestionable power of God because we're so focused on our situation. And the more we focus on our situation, the more it expands in our vision, the more we lose sight of his authority and his power. But prayer, this is why prayer is so important because we can't help but reorient our perspective when we come before the almighty. Prayer recognizes authority. Prayer proves dependence. And prayer improves perspective. But I want you to see here, before we close today or as we prepare to close, that this prayer that they prayed produced the request. And it's good to study prayers that produce the request, right? Because we want to we see results from what we're asking. In verse 31, the Christians They prayed and the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness, boldness, boldness. They asked for boldness and they, he answered their prayer. Boldness, but not just boldness for boldness sake, specifically boldness to continue speaking the word of God. To continue doing what they were in trouble for. This word here for boldness literally means telling it all. Telling it all. Not leaving anything out. Bold. Clear. That's what they asked him for. They didn't ask him for comfort. They didn't ask him for safety. They asked him for boldness. Boldness. We may not be persecuted in the way that these Christians were. Most likely none of us in this room are going to be crucified upside down like Peter was. But we certainly face opposition from the world. We certainly know that the world around us opposes what we believe. We, we're in a God-ignoring, primarily, society. We're in a self consumed culture we're so entertained that our attention spans are paper thin like we 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 have so many options for physical satisfaction that we've lost sight of what it really means to be spiritually satisfied we we have new technology and modern medicine and google for crying out loud we can kind of take care of ourselves i don't think we've ever been more independent than we are right now The way of Jesus is to be dependent on your heavenly father. And the way of Jesus opposes the way of the world. In many ways, it it turns it upside down. Think about it. Purity. The way of Jesus is to be pure. Purify yourselves as he is pure. Like your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So take care of it. Purity is principle that Jesus left us. Long-suffering, patience, forbearance. Like This is not the way of the world. That is difficult in our flesh. The gentleness, humility, kindness, faithfulness, staying true to what you say, to your commitments, faithfulness. We're in the middle of a culture that is very, very far from faithful. Devotion, self-control, love, love. I can't even say love without having to define it in our current day, because we've sabotaged the word to mean all sorts of things that the way of Jesus doesn't mean. I have to put unconditional in front of the word love for you to know what I'm talking. I have to put selfless in front of the word love for you to know what I'm talking about. This self-giving service. That's how far we've come. But this is the way of Jesus and we see that it opposes the world. The world is still hostile toward what we believe. The question is, what will we do? What will we do with that? Will we, will we come to him and ask him for boldness the way that the early church did? Before we write this off and say, well, we weren't, we're not being persecuted like this. No, we, the world opposes what we believe. Are we asking God for more boldness to live that out? Are we asking God for more boldness of how to speak that out? to tell it all about who we are now because of Jesus? Are we, is that who we are? Is that what we want? Are we asking for that boldness? Or are we intentionally hiding the work of God in our life because we don't wanna make anyone around us feel uncomfortable? That's the challenge today. It's a challenge for me. Am I looking for ways to be bold or am I looking for ways to make people feel a little more comfortable around me? I'm missing opportunities because I'm more concerned with not offending them with what I know to be true. Am I not offending them all the way to hell? There's a story of a great preacher in the fourth century, a long time ago in the 300s, the late 300s AD. He was known for his preaching, he was known for his boldness and his clarity. And The Roman emperor was tired of him gaining influence and preaching about Jesus. And so he wanted to pull him, he wanted to arrest him and take him off the, the platforms that he was on and stop him from preaching so he arrested him and then he he got together a group of advisors and he who knew the man and and he asked the advisors what he could do to stop the man from preaching and doing what he was doing and the advisors tried to warn him and they said there's really nothing you can do this guy he's different he's not going to stop he's not going to stop the emperor asked well I'll just put him in a dungeon, solitary confinement and and I'll cut him off to the world and to anybody else. So just put him there and and I'll even deprive him of food and I I won't let him have the basics of life. And one of the advisors told him, well, that's not gonna work. He'll be glad to go for he longs for the quietness because he says it's there where he can delight the deepest in the mercies of his God. So the emperor said, well, I'll just take him out in the streets and I'll flog him and I'll embarrass him and I'll put him on display and I'll punish him. That's what I'll do. One of the other advisors stood up and said, I don't think that'll work either because he believes that the punishment you inflict on him for following Jesus is actually preparing for him an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison the emperor at this point is mad he's like fine i'll just i'll just execute him i'll just take his life i'll i'll just end it and the last advisor spoke up and said mr emperor that's not going to work he will also be glad to die for he declares that in the event of his death he will depart the body and be with his savior and be with his Lord. So the ruler asked, what shall we do then? The counselor replied, there's only one thing that'll bring the preacher pain. Not flogging, not solitary confinement, not even death. There's only one thing that will bring him pain. Try to cause him to sin. If you can force him to sin, he will suffer. He is afraid of nothing except sin. May this be true of us as well. One of the memorials in Westminster Abbey, one of the most noble memorials in Westminster Abbey is of this man named Lord John Laird Mayor Lawrence. Lord Lawrence. And it says, among other things, below his monument, it says, He feared man so little because he feared God so much. He feared man so little because he feared God so much. May it be said of us today, Oakwood, Gainesville, may it be said of us. Pastor Greg, we love you. Oakwood, we love you. We're going to hand it off to you over there. We hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. We'll see you back next week. I wonder in this room, as we consider what God's Word teaches us about praying for boldness, I wonder if there would be anybody in here that needs a moment with Him, needs a moment to just be with Him, needs a moment to pray and ask Him to improve your perspective, to, to clarify your dependence. And to remind you of his authority and his power. I wonder if there's anybody that just needs a moment. Maybe it's in your seat. Maybe it's in the altar as we sing another song before we release today. I want to encourage you to get along with God and to ask him to give you more boldness to be his witness. Father God in heaven, we're here for you. We're here for you only. We declare that you are enough and we remember your holiness. We remember your 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 might, your strength, your power, your authority. Help us today. Help us to see you more clearly. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website, riverbendchurch.life.